go ahead and continue in our Momentum series. So if you're following along, um, you can uh, take notes, you can write down this title this morning, the word endurance. That's what I'm going to talk about is endurance. Or you can always go um, on your iPad or your phone or whatever and uh, go to the Bible app, uh, the Version Bible app, and you can search for a live event and you'll be able to follow along in the notes this morning as well. It's another great way to uh, connect and be interactive with us this morning. Let's go ahead and pray before we go any further today. God, we thank you so much for doing what only you can do. And we thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to gather together in this place and to worship you and to hear your word, Father. Let us never take that lightly. Let us never just take it as just a common thing. But let us treat it with all seriousness, trusting in you, God, believing that you have something special for us today that your Holy Spirit is going to reveal to our hearts to help us grow and continue to move forward as individuals, as families, and as a church. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians in the third chapter, Philippians chapter 3. We're going to look here at verse 14 at a very familiar passage of Scripture. Um, uh, Familiar because this is one of those... Um, passages of scripture that you may see on a bumper sticker or on a bookmark or it's just one of those token scriptures that a lot of times we read over and we've heard over and over again. But today I want you to allow this scripture to become real to you in such a deep and such a real way as we talk about endurance. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14 says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward the mark. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm pressing. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I'm going to endure. I'm going to continue to move forward because the purpose of why I'm moving forward and the calling that I have on my life and the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing has so captivated and taken hold of my heart that I'm willing to press, that I'm willing to endure. A lot of times we get this idea as Christians that we just think because we said a prayer or because we come to church that our life is going to be free of challenges and we're never going to have any problems whatsoever. How many of you guys have figured out that that's not the case? A lot of us have figured out that's not the case. And, and, you know, sometimes it just really gets under my skin when people think that Christians are never supposed to have problems or issues. God never promised us a life free of challenges. He never said you're never going to have any challenges or any problems or any issues or any obstacles or any adversaries at all. Everything's just going to be peachy keen. All you got to do is take this pill and everything's going to be fine. That's not how it works. God never said, hey, you're going to have this problem, worry-free life. He said there's going to be challenges. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be things that you're going to face. He told us that there would be things we would have to endure, things that would be coming our way. And so he said, hey, don't be surprised when you hear of these things. Don't be caught off guard just because you're a follower of Christ when you see adversity or trials. Or these things coming that may want to knock you out, that may want to kick you out of this race. Paul said, listen, I get it. i got to still press every day. I'm pressing, I'm enduring, I'm moving forward. When it's easy and when it's good and sometimes when it's hard and when it's difficult. And when I want to throw my hands up in the air because that's the natural, easy, get out of jail free card is just say, I quit, I give up. It's over for me. There's no sense in me trying to fix this. There's no sense in me trying to move forward. But God never said that would be the case. God never said 
that we would have a life free of challenges. Look in the book of James in the first chapter, and I'll show you here what James wrote. James chapter 1 and verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. James said, blessed is the man that endures, that has endurance, that is able to continue to go, that like Paul is continuing to press. Check this out. Even in the words of Jesus, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus has given his disciples a heads up about what's coming down the road when he leaves them and when they're stuck here on this earth and the kind of life that they're going to have to uh, endure, the type of challenges they're going to have to face. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 22, Jesus says to his disciples, he said, you're going to be hated of all men for my name's sake. My, my name's sake. Ooh, got real country there on you guys. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Pastor, you're always real country. Okay. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. Jesus was telling his disciples, listen, I am actually the reason that people are not going to like you guys. Matter of fact, they're going to be chasing you. They're going to be uh, persecuting you. They're going to be ridiculing you. They're going to want to kill you. They've got their eye on you because they hate you, and it's my fault. Jesus said, it's my fault that they don't like you because of me, for, for, for my name's sake, is why they're after you. He said, but don't lose hope, don't lose heart, because he that endures to the end is going to be saved. So don't worry. So in other words, Jesus was saying, don't fear what man can do unto you. Don't fear even death. Don't be afraid of what intimidation would try to bring. Don't be afraid of what kind of fear or worry or anxiety would try to creep in your heart because he that endures to the end, you're going to make it. You're going to be saved. Trust me in this. Trust me when I say that there are things that are coming because this world is full of evil. This world is full of people who are out on their own agendas wanting to do their own thing. So just because you follow me, don't think that there's going to be this life that's going to be breezy and easy and free of challenges. You need to be ready for these things, but don't fear, don't be afraid, because Jesus said, I've overcome all of this stuff. You see, don't fear, don't be afraid, don't worry and go, oh no, God said there's going to be all these challenges. No, 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 don't be afraid. He's saying, endure, persevere, don't quit, don't lose hope, don't Quit when it gets difficult. Don't say, where is God? When it seems like everything is going wrong because he says, I'm right here. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. You don't have to go through this stuff all by yourself with your hands tied behind your back, completely being powerless, feeling like you're just defeated all the time. No, don't fear because I've already overcome the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. That should give me that reason to continue to move forward and to press and see that momentum continue in my life. You see, we hear these things a lot about don't quit. You know, don't, don't give up. Don't throw your hands up in the air. We hear those things a lot, but the only way we're ever going to be able to endure is if we have that reason, like Paul, to press, to continue. That reason, like James, and that reason, like Jesus gave his disciples, to continue to press. That word endurance in Webster's Dictionary means the ability to withstand difficulty or pressure. The ability to withstand difficulty or pressure. So let me ask you, what are we willing to endure? And more importantly, why are we willing to endure it? It shows how deeply internalized the importance of what we're striving for is. Because we need to ask ourselves the question, why do we believe what we believe? Why do we believe it? Is it just something that I was told to believe? Is it just something that I'm just supposed to believe? Or is this something that's really in my heart? 
Is it something that I read one time and it sounded good or somebody said and it sounded good? Or is it something that I really have a conviction about, that I really have internalized, that I really believe? Because let me tell you, if you're going to endure, if you're going to press, if you're going to come out on the other side victorious like Jesus wants us to, then we're going to have to find a reason to keep on moving forward because it's going to get tough sometimes. You ever tried to lose weight? It gets tough. And if you haven't internalized that reason why you're doing it, oh, yeah, well, I'll start the diet Monday. I'll start it first of the year. I'll start it when the new fad diet comes out, and I'll just jump on that bandwagon. <laughs> and we just jump on this stuff, and we can't continue because we haven't internalized our reason why. Because your reason why has to outweigh the obstacles that you're going to face. Your reason why, your purpose has to be greater than whatever obstacle you're going to face. And that's what Paul was saying in Philippians 3.14. He was saying, I press towards the mark because I understand the prize. I understand the call. I understand the purpose and the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. So that's why Paul was willing to be shackled up in prison and sit there with his buddy Silas. And they start singing some songs to Jesus. They got captured, put in prison. And yet, in their heart, somehow, they find it to sing songs to God. Most of us, when we would be in a prison-type situation in our lives where we felt shackled, where we felt chained, we would go, Oh, is me. Oh, God doesn't love me. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. It's over for me. I might as well throw in the towel and give up because it's just too hard. And that's the attitude that we take a lot of times when things get difficult. We become very focused on us and how everyone is against us. And oh, everybody's talking about me at work. Nobody likes me. Oh, if my spouse would do this or do that and treat me that way, then maybe, just maybe, I would actually give them the time of day. Oh, my kids, they're acting like crazy numbskulls. Oh, they are so disrespectful. There's no hope for them. Even their teachers have given up on them. And we take this no hope attitude. And we take this giving up attitude and we just throw in the towel when those things come. But you've got to understand the purpose of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Why I believe what I believe has to outweigh what other people may say, what other people may do, or how other people may react. You've got to believe that what you're doing is right and what God has called you to do and what God has said for you to do in whatever circumstance you may be in. And you've got to believe that with such a conviction regardless of how things turn out with someone in that moment. Because here's what happens a lot of times. We'll go to a marriage seminar, marriage conference or something, and we'll hear some really good nugget. And we'll go home and do that thing. You know, like us men, we'll, okay, well, I'm going to surprise my wife. Maybe I went to a marriage conference and I was told to surprise my wife. Okay, well, we've been having a lot of issues, and so I'm going to surprise my wife. And I go and I, I, I send her flowers at work, or, or there's flowers, uh, you know, uh, uh, on the counter when she comes home. And it makes her more mad than it did before you did it. And now you're confused. Now you're confused because us men, we think, okay, we want to fix the situation. I'm a fixer. I'm a doer. I'm going to try to fix it. Flowers fixed. And no, worse, I now have two holes in this sinking ship and I'm confused. And I go, guess it didn't work. And I give up and I never try again. 
because I didn't get the reaction I thought I was going to get. Because it didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen. You see, I've got to keep doing what I believe is right because I'm convicted about it, not just because I'm afraid of what I'm going to lose or I'm afraid of what will happen if I don't. It's got to be something that's internalized in me to where I'm doing it because I believe it's the right thing to do and I know it's what God wants me to do. And I know it's how God wants me to treat my wife, not just because I'm trying to do this for a season to try to fix something, but yet I believe this is how I'm going to treat my spouse in this situation regardless of how he or she reacts. Amen? Because you can't control someone else's reaction. And you may come into a whole new set of challenges when you try to fix things. Because the first thing, when you try to fix things, and I don't know why I'm talking about marriage this morning, but I'm going to. Last night I was talking about something else. So there you go. You guys are getting a whole new one. A lot of times we'll see an issue in our relationship and we'll go and try to fix it. And when what we do doesn't immediately fix, we get discouraged and we feel like, well, I guess it's just not going to work. Or, or here's the thing that really just gets under our skin is when we see it work for someone else and we hear these great stories. Oh, yeah, I just did this 10-step thing and I just did this and it worked for me and it worked for you too. <laughs> and we go and try it and we're like, yeah, no. And we get frustrated and we feel like... It, well, is it something we really believe? Have we internalized it? Are we just trying to operate a formula to try to get the same results someone else got? How many of you know that God is not a formula? And we can't look at God as a formula. We can't look at God as a A, B, C, and, 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 and we expect to get these certain results because we've done everything just so, so, and we've just been so perfect. No, God gives us gifts. God moves according to His time. He moves according to His purpose. It's our job to trust Him no matter what the result or the outcome is of whatever situation we may be facing. It's our job to trust. That's what real faith is. That's what real faith is, is trusting when it seems difficult. Trusting when it seems like everything is against me. Not just, oh, I'll do this and all of a sudden all my problems will just vanish and go away. A lot of times we'll try something and when it doesn't work, we just want to quit. That's our natural reaction is that we want to quit. But you've got to have it internalized. You've got to have it as a conviction. You've got to believe that this is right because you've got to understand why you're doing it. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you doing what you're doing? And who are you doing it for? Those are two huge questions that you and I need to answer in our lives. Why am I doing this? And who am I doing it for? But the beauty of all of this is that even in our trials, even in our circumstances, even in our struggles, even when things are tough and difficult, God says, you don't have to endure alone. Amen? Amen. You see, that's the enemy's trap, is to make you feel like you're in this all by yourself. But God said, you don't have to endure this alone. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 4. Let's look at that again. Uh, Philippians 4 and verse 10. We're going to see here... The Apostle Paul's continuing to write to the church at Philippi. He says in Philippians 4 and verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished again where you were also careful but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect to want, for I have learned that whatever state I'm in to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed to be both full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens 
me. How many times have we just heard, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? We've just heard that one phrase, but yet we didn't hear Paul say, listen, I've learned how to do with and do without. I've learned how to be a base and I've learned how to abound and it's through Christ I can do these things because he gives me the strength to do what? To endure and to keep moving forward and to not give up because I believe what I'm doing is right and I believe what I'm doing is instructed from the Lord. Now this is coming from the Apostle Paul who when we say that it just sounds so glorious. The Apostle Paul. It, doesn't that sound so important and significant and special? The Apostle Paul. Well, let me tell you a little bit about the Apostle Paul. Before his name was Paul, he had another name. It was Saul. And Saul was a guy that hated followers of Jesus and would persecute them. He would lock them up in jail and even had some of them stoned. And he would go from town to town looking for these followers of Christ so he could get them to either renounce their faith in Jesus or so he could throw them in prison or sentence them to death. And this was Saul's job. And so because of that, he wasn't a real popular guy in Christian circles. Everyone didn't go, oh, hey, Saul's coming to town. Did you hear? Woohoo! Let's break out the fine china. That's not what happened. Everyone said, hide your kids, hide your wife. Saul's coming to town. And that's exactly what happened. Now, Saul has an encounter with Jesus Christ, face-to-face -face encounter, and his life gets radically changed, and he says, I'm changing your name to Paul because I'm wanting you to understand that this is a new life for you. I'm wanting to disconnect you from your old life, and this is a new life, and now I have given you forgiveness, I've given you mercy, I've given you my grace, and if anyone needed to understand grace, mercy, and forgiveness, it was Saul who was now Paul. But the Christians, they were cut off guard. They're like, we know it's just one letter different. We know who you are. We're not dumb. We know who you really are, Paul. But now, not only are there a set of Christians that are afraid of the guy, but now he's got all of his old buddies that he used to run with that now despise him as well because he's basically turned his back on them. So do you think that Paul, during his journeys, during all of his ministry, do you think he had a little bit of adversity that he had to learn to press and endure from and endure through if he wanted to continue to do what God had called him to do? You see, that purpose had to outweigh all of the outside pressure. Paul had to believe in what he was doing. And so he said, listen, I've learned how to do with and I've learned how to do without. I've learned when everybody's celebrating me and carrying me on their shoulders. And I've learned also how to continue to endure and not give up and not quit when everybody's wanting to stone me and run me out of town. I've learned how to be loved and I've learned how to be hated. I've learned how to deal with rejection and I've learned how to deal with acceptance. You see, it's not because I'm so great or because I'm so special, but the reason I can do all of this is because it's Christ who gives me strength to be able to continue to move forward because He's my purpose. That's why I'm able to press. That's why I'm able to endure. That's why I'm able to move forward because my purpose outweighs what anyone could say or do to me, and I understand that I'm not doing this by myself. This isn't the Paul show. 
This isn't the Derek show. This isn't any one of our shows. This is us understanding that whatever we face, whatever we endure, whatever we go through, that we don't do it alone because it's Christ in me that gives me the strength to learn how to handle it when things are good and when things are really crummy. I can continue to move. Why? Because my purpose outweighs it. He said Jesus gave him a reason. Jesus gave him strength. Jesus gave him a why and a purpose. It gave him the strength to endure any circumstances and to do it with peace and joy because he understood he wasn't alone. You know, we feel like sometimes that God is mad at us or we feel like that, you know, God is upset with us because we're not absolutely perfect in every way. We have this view of God just shaking his head at us and he's just so angry and frustrated because we aren't perfect. And we feel pressure. Because we aren't perfect. We're, we feel this pressure because we're not this perfect Christian. We feel this pressure because maybe we blew it even after we got saved. You know, before we got saved, we had a past. But now that we got saved, now we still are doing some things from our past. And we feel like terrible people. We feel like God hates us and like he's just disowned us. Like he's rejected us. And God says, no, I haven't left you or forsaken you. I want you to continue to grow and move forward. I want you to understand that I've already overcome all of this junk. And I want you to walk hand in hand with me so you can learn how to overcome this junk. And you don't have to let this stuff rule your life. You don't have to do this alone. You don't have to walk this road by yourself. Amen, somebody. You can walk this road with me because I haven't given up on you. I haven't thrown you out with all the dirty towels and the dirty laundry and said, you're through, I'm done with you. No, he said, there's still hope for you, but you have to understand that you're not in this alone and I haven't forsaken you and I haven't given up on you. How, how big is God's love for us? How big is his mercy and his compassion how immeasurable is his forgiveness? How immeasurable is his grace? And that stuff should empower us to not walk condemned like we're guilty men and women who are just ashamed to even say we're Christians. But we should boldly say God is our Father and Jesus has connected me with him in a way that I never could on my own. And because of that, it gives me the strength to keep moving forward, even when I blow it. Even when I mess up, I still have a purpose. And my purpose outweighs even my own failures or what man or others can say or do to me. Amen? And we got to understand that when we move forward and when we're talking about growing and we're talking about moving forward in this momentum that God wants to create in our lives where we just pick up speed and continue to grow and continue to move forward, that it's not always something that happens where we go from A to Z. A lot of us want that to happen. And sometimes we see that happen in our lives. Sometimes we see that happen in others' lives where God takes someone from this situation and he just takes them on the fast track and all of a sudden they've got the fast pass and just things are just instantly reconciled and fixed. But it may not happen that way for you in your situation and your circumstance the exact same way. And we go, why? I must not have enough faith then. How come it's not happening for me like it happened for them? You need to understand that God leads us in steps and not leaps and you never need to underestimate the significance of a step. 
Wherever it is that God may be leading you, whatever step he may be walking you into, and that the season that you have taken a step in, don't ever underestimate the significance of a step. Don't look at the cover of a magazine and say, oh, I want to look like that guy or that girl. And so you go out and you buy some fat-free potato chips and you eat them and you wake up the next morning and go, where's it at? And you get frustrated and mad because things didn't happen the way you wanted them to happen. You see, you take a step. You you, you take a step. And you have to sometimes in that step, it's not always comfortable. Sometimes that step is very painful. Sometimes that step may require you asking someone for forgiveness or you admitting that you were wrong. That's not always easy. Sometimes that step is difficult. Maybe when we're dealing with addiction and we're trying to take that step to walk in freedom from that addiction. But don't ever underestimate the significance of that step because you take a step and then you take another and then you take another and then all of a sudden the momentum begins to build and you begin to walk in freedom like you've never known. But you've got to learn to endure and step. Endure and step. You know, when... When I first started working out this last year, just in June is when I started working out. Before, I'd never worked out in my life. I told you guys, I couldn't even do one regular push-up. I, had, I could only do about 20 on my knees. And I was very unhealthy. When I would walk up my stairs at home, the first thing I was looking for was somewhere to sit down. And here I was, 30 years old, walking upstairs in my house, huffing and puffing, looking for somewhere to sit down. I'm going, man, that's not right for 30-year-old. My kids would want me to go outside and play with them and want me to throw a ball around with them, and I would just get so heavy, just, just, just exhausted and just so, feel so heavy and so weary. And when I first went to the gym and I worked out, guess what? There was pain. There was pain. But it was a step, and I kept it going. And I kept moving forward and I didn't give up. And I didn't say, oh, well, it's over. It's too hard. It's too difficult because my reason why was bigger than the pain. It's what kept me going back every day, every day, every day. And then changing my nutrition, making better decisions every day, every day. And now I can do plenty of (laughs) push-ups. I don't say that so I can tell you how great I am. I, 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 I say that the things that I have been able to do even physically came with a price. The things that I used to not be able to do, they came at a price too. And I had to decide what was I going to do. And I had to decide that I was going to be willing to endure the pain, the soreness. Sometimes not eating what I wanted when I wanted, right? Nobody's going to amen that. You guys, I tell you what. (laughs) No. Yeah, whatever, Pastor. That's cool. We're still looking for that eat whatever you want, when you want diet where we can still lose weight and get buff. Okay, that's cool. You keep looking for that. I'll keep working hard. But it's hard. It's difficult. It's not easy. It didn't come easy. It didn't come easy at all. But you've got to endure because the purpose has to outweigh. You've got to take that step. And so let me ask you this. What step do you need to take to keep momentum in your life? 
or to get momentum started in your life? What, what's that step that you need to take? Because I think a lot of times, a lot of us are aware, maybe not everybody, but, but I think for the most part, a lot of us are aware of our shortcomings and our failures in life and our weaknesses. And a lot of times other people like to point those out to us and we're like, yeah, we know. We know the issue because we walk around with the burden and the condemnation that's attached to that issue. And a lot of us go, oh man, I'm such a terrible person. Everybody knows it. I'm walking around with this weight, with this thing that I'm trying to get rid of or I'm trying to fix this situation or that situation. A lot of us are aware of that and a lot of us are aware even of the first step we need to take. We just haven't gotten to the point to where our reason why outweighs whatever thing we're going to have to endure and move forward with. That's where we need to grow in. We need to grow in making sure that that purpose and that reason why is bigger. What step do you know that you need to take, but you're afraid to take it even? Maybe you're afraid to talk to that person. Maybe you're afraid to have that conversation with your kids or your spouse or your friend or your boss. Maybe you're afraid to even look in the mirror and really deal with what you see. And so you just try to hide behind everything. Make sure everybody knows that everything's good with you and ha 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 good, happy, happy, me, happy. <laughs> but then you're miserable inside. What are you afraid to do? What, what step are you afraid to take? You see, the purpose of taking the step, the why, has got to outweigh the fear of uncertainty because that's called faith. Amen, somebody? Amen. That's called faith. And we need to recognize that that purpose has got to outweigh that. And you need to realize something else. That you're worth something. That you're worth picking yourself up moving forward, enduring, that God has a purpose and a plan for you and that whatever struggle, whatever uncertainty you may be facing right now, I don't care how bad it is, I don't care if it's just the worst scenario anyone could ever even dream up, if you're still here and you're still drawing breath in your lungs, God still has a purpose for you. Amen, somebody. Amen. And you have to understand that purpose and worth are the why. Purpose and worth are the reason why. You see, Paul understood he had worth and value. Wouldn't it have been so easy for the Apostle Paul? Doesn't that sound great? The Apostle Paul. Wouldn't it have been so easy for the Apostle Paul to say, you know what, I'm really just a murderer. You know how many Christians I've thrown in jail and put to death? I don't know how many of you in this room have put Christians to death before you were saved. I don't know, maybe, maybe that was your job, your occupation, I don't know. I'm not going to put it past anybody to say maybe that was your prior job. But my assumption is, is that the majority of you have not overseen putting Christians to death. But the man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, that was his job. And you feel like because of our past and our stuff that we feel worthless, but yet Paul, someone who did what he did, found the fact that he was forgiven and he was worth something because of Christ. And you're telling me you and I are having a roadblock with our junk and our past? If anybody should have had an issue of feeling worthless, of feeling self-condemnation, it would have been Paul. 
So the junk and the load that we're carrying, if Jesus Christ can forgive a man like Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul, the apostle, what more can he do in your life and in your situation? Amen? Because no matter how far you've gone, no matter how bad you think you've been, you're still worth something and you still have a purpose. And you've got to understand that and you've got to believe that because that's what's going to help you wake up in the morning, look the devil in the eye and say, I'm not quitting, I'm not giving up, I'm moving forward because I know I'm worth something and I have a purpose. And I'm going to move forward regardless of what you might throw at me today. So hello, I'm going to move forward. Amen, somebody? That's where we've got to get. That's where we've got to get to where we see that we're valuable. No matter what challenges we've faced in life, no matter how bad it's gotten, no matter what happened to us or what even poor decisions we made, it's not over for you. God hasn't written you off. You're still valuable. He doesn't say, oh, I'm going to put you in the clearance aisle. I'm going to put you in the $5 bin. You're not worthy to be on this shelf. No, no, no. God says, no. Listen, you're all worth the same to me. And you want to know how I know that you're all worth the same to God? Because he paid the same price for all of you. He paid his son, Jesus Christ. One of my favorite things that I have in my house, one of my most prized possessions that I have, is an autographed Nolan Ryan baseball. Now, I don't know if you know who Nolan Ryan was or not, or is. Nolan Ryan was my favorite baseball player as a kid. He was an amazing pitcher, and I have a for real deal autographed Nolan Ryan baseball. And I got it through a very special friend of mine, and it's very special. It has more meaning than just the fact that Nolan Ryan wrote his name on it. But I put that thing in this glass case, and I set it in a very special place because it's very special to me. Matter of fact, it's one of those things that if, you know, there were ever some type of a, a tornado or a house fire or flood, I would run in there and I would want to grab that thing. <laughs> it's that special to me. It's, 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 it's that special to me. It's just one of those things that, that, that just has a lot of meaning to me. And I could take that to an appraiser and say, hey, what's this worth? And that guy would tell me what someone would be willing to pay for that. And I could go, okay, even though this ball says it's worth $100 or whatever it's worth, because that's what somebody would pay for. You know what? It's worth a lot more to me. And folks, that's how God sees you. He says, you know what? I was willing to give my son for you. You're worth so much to me that this is the price I was willing to pay. And you're so valuable and significant to me because I was thinking about you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. I, I already had thoughts and plans and dreams for you. Every one of you in this room Every one of you under the sound of my voice. He didn't go, oh, you're more special than you. Or he, he didn't know. That's not how God works. God knew you. And God still knows you. And he still wants you to understand that you're valuable to him. You see, the temptation is to feel worthless. And when you feel worthless, you will fall into the trap and the temptation to make excuses because you feel worthless. And a lot of times we get stuck in life and we don't move forward with the momentum that God desires for us and we don't walk in the victory that Jesus has already bought and paid for us because we buy into the trap of self-pity, feeling worthless. We want to make excuses for why we can't take a step. Everybody wants to make excuses for why things are the way they are. 
Oh, well, you know, if only I had a better job. Oh, if, 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 if my wife would only do this, or if my kids would only act this way, or, or I just don't understand why things are this way, and we just want to make all these excuses instead of just taking a step. Instead of taking a step, recognizing that we need to take a step because we're worth it. Because God has a purpose for us, and that purpose outweighs the obstacles. Amen? Amen. You see, the temptation is to blame everything and everyone else for why things are the way they are. But I want to challenge you today to stand up, pick yourself up, and take a step. Nobody can take the step for you, but you're not going to do it alone. Because God said he would be there. God said he's faithful. He's shown us time and time again. And he wants to prove himself faithful to you. But you've got to believe that you're worth something. You've got to believe that you're worth picking yourself up and continuing to move forward. Regardless of what others may say, regardless of what things may happen that are out of your control or that are within the realm of your control. You've got to take a step. If we're ever going to allow God to truly make all things new in our lives, it starts with a step. It starts with us trusting that we were worth dying on the cross for. It starts with one right decision. It starts with us beginning to see ourselves like God sees us. We say this a lot. We say 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And we say that. And we write it down, and we look at it, and we don't really believe it. Because we're not seeing ourselves like God sees us. We're not understanding who we are in Christ and exactly what has happened in us through the atonement work of Jesus. We don't understand that when he says forgiven, he didn't mean only if you do this and this and this. Will your forgiveness continue? No, he said, my mercies are new every morning. When I say that I've forgotten your sins as far as the east is from the west, I didn't mean that there's some point where I go to when I want to remember how bad you were or how terrible you are. No, he said, I really forgive you. I really want to restore you. I really want you to feel that forgiveness. Because Jesus didn't say, carry around your burdens because you're such a terrible person and you need to be reminded of how bad you are and you need to feel bad about it. No, he said, actually, he said, cast your cares upon me. He said, and then take my burden, take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's actually going to free you. It's going to help steer you where you need to go, but it's going to be light and it's going to be easy. It's going to be something that is not filled with condemnation of your past, filled with condemnation of your present. But yet it's something that you can feel like I am forgiven and I'm loved and I'm worth something. And I can move forward because I have a purpose. I can endure because I have a purpose. I can take a step today because I have a purpose. And that outweighs what others may say or do or even what I'm having to deal with right now. Because I feel like God has something for me. And then we can say, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. And we can begin to understand that old things have passed away and all things have become new. And then I begin to see myself like God sees me. I begin to understand who I am in Christ. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Not me hoping in me, the hope of glory. No, it's Christ in me. 
It's all about Jesus. It's all about what Jesus did. And my, my job, my role, is to trust Him. Amen? My job is to trust Him. Would you bow your head this morning? Maybe you're here in this place today and you say, Pastor, you're talking about Jesus and, and, and I don't know Him and I want to meet Him today. I, I'm tired of living this condemnation and this guilt and, and all of this stuff that's just piling up on me. I'm ready to feel that freedom and forgiveness. It starts with you accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That puts you on the path to continue to grow in the victory that He's already bought and paid for. It helps you to grow and understand just how big of a price he paid. So if you're here in this place today and you say, Pastor, I'm ready to receive Jesus Christ and make him the Lord of my, sa- the, the Lord of my life, make him the Savior of my soul. I'm ready to receive his forgiveness. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to let me know you're here by simply putting your hand up and putting it back down. Anybody in this place at all today? I see those hands. I see your hand. You can put it down. Thank you, God. Anybody else in this place today? I don't want to miss anybody. I see your hand. Church, would you help me pray with these by repeating this prayer after me? And those of you that lifted your hand, I want you to mean this from your heart. Because it's not these words that make you right with God. There's not anything special about these words other than the fact that it's just you confessing what you believe in your heart. It's you speaking what you believe in your heart. And that's the most important part. You've got to believe these words in your heart. Say it with me today. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin and make me right with God. Thank you for restoring me, for saving me, for making all things new. I receive your grace. I receive your gift. And I believe I'm worth something to God. In Jesus' name, I thank you for it. Amen. Amen, amen.